Joel, it's nice to have you here, mate. Thanks for making time. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Awesome. So let's dive right into it. Joel, tell us what life was like as a child growing up. Uh, quite uneventful in a sense. Like there was, I had a happy childhood, encouraged to play sport, encouraged to do what made me happy. Uh, I was, a, I'm the eldest of five, so I had uh, three younger brothers and a younger sister. Um, my next two brothers down were not very athletic. Um, I was the athletic one out of the first three till my very youngest brother came. Um, so I had a bit of a hard time finding uh, like support to be active with two younger brothers that weren't interested in it at, at all. Like they didn't, they didn't like any <laughs> sport. And I remember just like uh, playing cricket in the school primary school car park across the road and they would bowl and I would hit it and every time I'd hit it for four or whatever I'd have to go and chase the go ball and, and they would just stand there and wait and I'd throw it back and this would go on for hours till they just got sick of me running around and when you say that was yeah that was my childhood it was good and um, played soccer from about 10 got uh, interested in watching it from the World Cup the uh, Italian 90 World Cup uh, watching the games and I thought I want to play this and then that started my next chapter of my life awesome playing soccer talk to us about your soccer career what your aspirations and- my aspiration was to go professional uh, I'm naturally quite competitive so if I do a sport I like to be competitive in it um, I always felt like I was a little bit different to the other players so my first season I played on the field um, I couldn't find a set position. I had trouble reading the game as a player, um, in, and it wasn't towards the end of my first year. Mind you, we're still young, under 10s, sort of, there's no real set structure in how a game's played. Yeah. A lot of it's just running around all over the place. But they trialed me as a goalkeeper, and instantaneously I felt like that was my position. So I spent the next few years obsessively training myself away from the team on my own along with the team training to try to make myself the best goalkeeper I could be and I wanted to become professional uh, I would remember throwing myself on concrete in the backyard diving for the ball like kicking it against the wall and diving onto the concrete just to harden myself up so when I go dive on the grass it would be like nothing, nothing so I became really agile and really fearless as a goalkeeper in a sense um, I got injured a lot probably because I was not really I just was quite reckless in how I trained uh, kind of carried through to the rest of my training <laughs> as I got older but it was just it was my passion it was my obsession um, got to 16 I'd made state teams uh, then I kind of had a rough patch in life and yeah my soccer career from then kind of just went away um, yeah. I made a comeback four years later yeah, about four or five years later um, with the ambition again just to go back and play I'd set a target of making the National League within two years of when I came back but three quarters of the way through my first season back I tore my ACL and yeah, I felt like it was not meant to be. Yeah. And at 2021, 20, you sort of think, 
I don't know. Looking back now, I've, I've, I looked, I've looked forward from 21 and thought my, my career's over. There's no chance. Looking back now, I, I think I could have made a comeback again. Because yeah. you see footy players who've had multiple ACL reconstructions and they keep coming back. And that's an even more demanding sport on your joints. So, yeah. Sure. I, I, I let that sort of dictate the fact that I wasn't going to go back. When, nice. Yeah. You mentioned that you were training a lot outside of training. For any aspiring athletes, is that one bit of advice you'd give for them? Uh, provided you're doing it sensibly, provided you're transparent with your team. Um, like I said, I got injured a lot and I, I attribute a lot of it to my reckless training on my own. Uh, I probably see that in my personality a bit that I'll just do what, I, do what I'm going to do no matter what. And it's not always the right way. Yeah. I would think I'm all for training on your own, and I, but I think do it under the guidance of someone who's a bit more experienced, a bit more knowledgeable, yeah. and can guide you in the right way. Um, yeah, because some of us yeah want to do our own thing and if, um, maybe need a bit more training than what the rest of the team does. If you've got com- uh, competitive goals, but yeah, don't just be reckless and do it on your own. For sure, that's a great bit of advice there. Fast forward to qualifications, your uni degrees. What was what was life like at uni for you? Uh, I went back to uni in my early 20s. I finished year 12 and I had no idea what I was going to do next. I wasn't really interested in school. I didn't think I wanted to do university. I just didn't think I was smart enough. Um, I had a few health issues, personal issues from my late teens into my very early 20s. So I made the decision when I went back to soccer and started cycling and started doing some weight training that I wanted to go back to school and study nutrition because I was experimenting then with the idea of uh, cutting out all animal products again and I thought learning about nutrition would be a good way to discover these discovered more about food, about nutrition, about the body. So I went back and enrolled at Endeavour to do a nutrition course, and I really enjoyed it. I got through two, just over two thirds of the course before I started to think, uh, as competitive as I am, I'm very much get stage fright, and I felt like when I go to clinic, I didn't feel prepared at all, so I thought, I'm going to take some time off and uh, defer. As it happened, I never went back. I, I tried one more time to go back yep. five or six years later, but I still just didn't feel... I didn't feel confident in myself that I could go through with it. And I, I again, like with soccer, I look back and I think I probably should have just asked and like got guidance and I could have done it. But yeah, look, overall, I had a great time and I learned so much and it encouraged me to learn outside of school as well, which I think for a lot of people, they find when they go to university, especially if you're studying something you're passionate about, you want to do a lot more research and study outside of what the core structure is. Because it kind of, I felt like it just gave me a base and then being very much into training and bodybuilding, uh, my uh, understanding nutrition was given a basic grasp in school, but not for the bodybuilding avenue. So I just went and did my own reading and 
like with soccer at the start, I was obsessed with just learning about nutrition and how the body would handle carbohydrates and protein and fats in a training perspective and a body composition perspective to get someone ready for stage and get myself ready for stage. Really Um, personalized approach there. I guess in in a textbook like at university, the course is so broad that um, you're going to need to narrow it down into the passion. It gave you the grounding on how like uh, anatomy, physiology and biochemistry and things, how vitamins and minerals work. But yeah, it doesn't give you the knowledge to get an athlete ready for stage or get an athlete performing at their optimum. Um, But it gave me that passion and that that kick up the backside to go and learn more about that. I love it. And that's where I spent the next 10 years. Like, Even though I wasn't studying much in terms of university, I was obsessively reading research articles and uh, just journals and articles and everything I could get my hands on to learn more about bodybuilding and it was kind of fitting in with me experimenting on myself to get myself ready for competitions and awesome tied in really really well great well anyone that knows you knows you are a wealth of knowledge and that boils down to the self-education that you have done um any question about nutrition or training or anything i ask joel and he gives me the answer like that so (laughs) i appreciate it yeah. Let's talk about your bodybuilding aspirations, competition history. When did it all begin for you? Uh, initially, it started when I was a child. Like I would watch my dad train in the garage and I would go and lift the weights and try to bench press and try to squat. And him, him and my uncle were like just beasts. They were so strong and did martial arts. They were really, really athletic. So I just aspired to be like them and... When I was nine or 10, my dad wrote me my first program, which I, I still remember it basically. It was just like squats, pull-ups, bench press, bent over row, uh, long leg curls, and calf raise. It was really, really simple. Just three sets of 10, just uh, kept it simple for me being young, but him knowing that I was just gonna train anyway. Yeah. He tried to make it a little bit regimented um, to keep me focused and keep me doing everything right. He'd watch my form, make sure I did it properly. I did that obsessively three times a week. Um, he would help me, he'd watch me, and it just became a passion that I started when I was a teenager. All through my soccer training, I used it just to help with strength. I didn't have competitive ambitions then for training because my ambition was soccer it was soccer and like single-minded ambition to do that um i decided to lift a bit more after i tore my acl um was that a part of the rehab process or just no see me being me just didn't go through with the proper rehab and i'll (laughs) emphasize to everyone if and i pray no one gets injured like that but do the rehab It took me so much longer sure. to get back to like full mobility and the swelling going down. Just because I thought as soon as I had a bit of movement, I just thought, I'm just going to push this now. But <laughs> yeah, it was kind of the knee injury was a catalyst for me to strengthen myself up. Um, and I just fell back into that passion and that routine of training again. Awesome. And within. Within a year or so, I was stepping on stage doing my first comp. Uh, I ended up doing 
13 bodybuilding shows so far. Uh, I placed in almost all of them and won a few. Uh, I used to have many trophies like along the mantelpiece <laughs> and all the, the little plastic trophies and medals and things like that. Um, wow. Yeah, it was it was great fun, and it was it became my new obsession. And I would be reading and uh, analyzing things, and watching other people, and getting taking things from other people, whether it was nutrition or supplementation or training things. Wow. Um, yeah. So over the course of seven years, up until I was nearly thirty, a bit over thirty, I kept yeah did. 13 shows. Wow, good on you. Definitely a prolific career there, John. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about your nutrition while you were competing for shows and like what, what sort of approach did you take? I experimented with a few different styles. Uh, I always generally kept my protein consistent. Uh, I always felt that about two grams per kilo uh, was ideal for me. I tried higher and I tried lower. I didn't notice too much when I went higher. Um, I did notice when I went lower. So I just kept it at two grams per kilo, which is approximately 160 grams of protein for myself. Yep. And I would vary my carbohydrates and fats. So if a few for a few shows, I tried higher carb, lower fat. Towards the end, I was doing higher fat, lower carb. And in the off season, I would reverse that and do lower fat, higher carb which is kind of opposite to what a lot of people do, but I found just my style of training, uh, the way my body handled foods, the style of food or type of food I was eating, it just seemed to work better for me to have higher fats. Um, and I felt like the higher good fats kept my hormone levels higher, like my testosterone levels and just energy levels and my joints felt better. But that's not to say I cut out carbs completely because I'm not of the belief that you should eliminate carbs. I think they're very, very beneficial. But I just did a higher amount of fat than what was kind of standard. And that was only for like a certain period of time? It was only for a certain period of time, like the the 12 week prep or even just the eight week prep. And the most of the time I would do a lot more carbohydrates and moderate the fats a little bit more. Um, Still keeping fats in, because I think good fats are very beneficial, but I did a lot more sweet potato and rice and all different vegetables and fruits and things. I still kept some fruit in all the way up to shows. Um, but yeah, like I said, my fat, my fats were a lot higher and my carbs were lower, right up to like the day of the show. Um, Great. And I believe you were plant-based all the way through your bodybuilding career. Yeah, see, I had a little phase when I was a teenager where I cut out animal products completely, but that was uh, I was raised pretty much vegetarian from my, my, my dad um, and my mum was very supportive of it. So first start we weren't eating many animal products. There wasn't really any meat at home at all. Um, but I tried for a phase in my teens to cut out animal products completely and go vegan. I didn't really have any idea then what I was doing because I was young and there was really no uh, information out there to to gain from someone like for a teenager trying to learn things there was no youtube or there's no instagram uh, there was not really even internet back then this was like yeah. 20 years ago now it's just word of mouth. uh yeah and, and i didn't really know it. i trained at um 
just in the garage. I didn't really go to a proper gym when I was a teenager. It was just doing it at home. Um, so I tried it for a little bit, but I just felt like I wasn't doing it right. So I started having eggs and um, dairy again. Um, still not really eating any, eating any meat. Um, just what because. So what age was this? Then? This was uh, 14, 15. fifteen. So cool. Yeah. still quite. Young. I was still very young. Um, I decided when I what after I had some issues in my late teens, very early twenties, I decided in terms of getting my health back, um, I decided that cutting out all animal products. Because um, when I was going through my rough patch, I kind of rebelled and ate everything just because I hadn't really experienced anything. So I tried fast food. I tried a lot of different animal products I'd never that I'd never eaten before. Um, but I felt like in terms of optimal health and feeling better about myself and just feeling that something was not right eating animal products, I decided to go initially vegetarian like I was doing when I was younger. And I started off weight training with still having some eggs and having some whey protein at the very, very beginning. But I still didn't think, I thought, I want to give this a try again with not consuming any eggs and not consuming any dairy. Because I kind of had a bit more of a grasp of what what went on. Yeah. I hadn't really seen anything per se because there was no... There was still no real social media at, at my age. Yeah, no, nothing then. Like Earthlings and all that didn't come out till years after that. Um, so I thought I'm going to try this, and I initially just started using like a soy protein powder and just eating more beans. Uh, there was there was tofu, there was tempeh then, so I started eating that, and I realized I was not I was making gains anyway like without uh, like without needing whey protein so I thought I'm, I'm going to keep on this and it that was all coinciding with a time when I was going back to school um, and it was sparking my interest even more to learn more about plant-based nutrition and other protein sources making sure I could get every nutrient that I needed and yeah, it's what that's like fourteen years ago now. Um, I've not looked back, and I would yeah. So Joel, tell us personally how you feel now, having adopted a plant based diet for fourteen years. Like you said, how are your energy levels, your blood test results, things like that? More of the common things that people people well, ask. I had my blood test, uh, my last blood test results just recently, and. Ironically, my B12 levels and vitamin D levels were through the roof, like to the point where the doctor said, don't need to supplement. Um, it's probably one of the few things that I would recommend like to supplement. Everything else you can get through foods, and I've never had an issue in all my years of being vegan. But I guess B12 and vitamin D are probably the two things that uh, I would suggest supplementing. But for the course of my whole period, of being vegan I've never really had any issues with strength or energy or being able to gain muscle like I, I won shows as a vegan competing against guys who were yeah not not vegan at all exactly. so I don't think it's got any 
there's no negative aspect to it if you do it right. And I guess knowing what I've learned through all the years of just my own research, and it's all available now online for anyone to be able to access it. There's, there is no reason why you, someone can't succeed in any sporting pursuit on, on a vegan diet at all. And there's a lot of plant-based athletes out there at the moment. There um, are, and it's just growing, and, and they're showing that it can be done, and they're at a higher level than what I am, and it's it's just amazing to see. And if it can be done from the top down, then there's no reason why the everyday person... Yeah, yeah, well. and, and like I said, there's so much information out there. There are a couple of things that I would always suggest supplementing, um, just for overall health, but that, that goes with everyone, whether you're vegan or not. There is... In this day and age, our soils are more depleted. Our, so therefore, our foods are more depleted of nutrients. So supplementing is necessary, I think, for anyone, whether you're vegan or not. I just think vitamin D, B12, um, uh, probably a little bit more necessary on a vegan diet just because it's a little bit harder to get. Yep. But I, I've, other than a couple of times where I've gone through my heavy training load or like, something family issue or something where i've not eaten properly i've noticed being flat but that's more about not eating enough than the, than, than the, than the food itself because i yeah okay. i i i wouldn't go back i've this far down the track now i wouldn't turn around and go back now I've, that's yeah, awesome to hear Joel. i've embraced it so much <laughs> <laughs> i love it talk us through some resource resources that um, other people can use nowadays to help with their transition into a plant-based diet. Uh, there is probably there are, I there there are so many blogs. There are so many great athletes out there who will be offering like services. Um, yourself, for instance, even like the, and Tyson and Mike Case. There's a lot of guys out there that are walking like walking the talk in terms of being like plant-based athletes and their knowledge base is is phenomenal so um following great athletes following doctors following nutritionists who are passionate about vegan diets um they would be a wealth of knowledge to contact if you're really struggling with something otherwise there are blogs and there are instagram pages and facebook pages youtube channels with uh, hours of information on there for people to educate awesome. themselves and just further yeah hone their skills and knowledge great and for anyone that is interested in going into a plant-based I'll, I'll leave some documentaries in the show notes for you that definitely help with my transition moving on joel you mentioned that you were competing as a bodybuilder mm-hmm. while being on a plant-based diet where were your sources of protein coming from from these primarily tofu and tempeh that yep. um they were my absolute staples um, I would just cook up like four or five days worth of tofu and tempeh and then just have that ready to go and add in whatever veggies and whatever fats I wanted. So they were my real go-to. Lentil burgers, I, I went through a phase of doing a few shows back-to-back and I was just eating a lot of the sanitarium lentil burgers. <laughs> just they were, The macros were good. They were so nice. Um, this was before like Corn brought out all their vegan foods and uh, all these other new vegan brands. Um, but for me, it was mostly tofu, tempeh, um, lentils, black beans to some extent. 
Um, more so, I eat them now than when I was bodybuilding. Yeah. But I used to be extraordinarily strict on how I'd measure my foods, and those two sources were the easiest for me to just gauge my macros without having to balance everything else to get the carbohydrate and fat content um, to where I wanted it to be. So for simplicity's sake and I guess taste as well, I just use those two as my real staples. Awesome. And you mentioned also before when you were prepping for a show, you did test out with a higher carb, a higher fat yeah. regime. You see commonly out nowadays that people are cutting the carbs completely when they're yeah. prepping for a show. What's your take on that? I, I think it's quite a... It's not sustainable in terms of... I think it's quite acidic on the body. I think it's going to uh, affect their energy levels, affect mood. Uh, it's just going to affect their performance in the gym. And you want to maximize your performance right up until the day of the show. So if you're cutting out carbs completely, uh, chances are you're going to be using up a lot of your muscle for energy and just it's going to hinder your performance, it's going to hinder your mood, it's going to hinder just the way you feel in general. Um, so I'm not a fan of cutting out carbohydrates completely. I think uh, they're muscle sparing. So you want to make, the goal for athlete is to maximize their, their lean muscle mass. If you cut out something like carbohydrates, which is, which is muscle sparing, then yeah, the next thing, the easiest way for your body to source its glucose for energy is from muscle. So awesome. I think yeah, it's not something I would recommend personally to do at all. That's a great point. Joel, talk us through some advice that you'd give other people if they were prepping for a show and they are plant-based. What, mm-hmm. what bit of advice from a nutrition standpoint and then from a training standpoint would you give them? Uh, I guess find out... Uh, I guess what their body weight is so make sure they get their protein in protein I think like I said 2 grams per kilo is in my opinion optimal Um, so get that as a base get into a routine of uh, cooking up your protein sources so you're not like struggling one day not having meals ready meal prep is key Um, so yeah get the protein sources down pat Um, then just making sure they're eating enough um carbohydrates for your energy and for fats for cellular health and for joint health um the start depending on how far from their prep they are then they can manipulate their carbohydrates and fats a little bit more to experiment to see what works better for them um but i guess short answer for someone that's starting out just yeah get some simple recipes and get used to the practice of meal prepping and for training Again, it's just keeping it simple, not overdoing it, listening to their body. Uh, some people prefer, uh, in terms of cardio, longer longer duration, or some people prefer higher intensity, shorter duration. It's gonna vary on the, on the individual, and for me to give a standard bit of advice, I just think, listen to your body, and if you're tired and if you're sore, then give your body a rest. If you're still going to be doing cardio, just tone the cardio intensity down. Um, but it's very much a personal thing. And I could speak to 10 different people and give them 10 different plans just to suit their body. But okay. overall, enough protein, 
uh, meal prepping and listen to the body with training. Awesome, they're great points there. And for anyone that wants to get in contact with Joel, I will have his details with the show notes uh, in the show notes. Sorry, he's more than happy to answer any questions. Anything, and yeah. we'll go in depth. Yeah, so definitely. it's definitely a great resource for that. Joel, let's fast forward now. I believe you're doing CrossFit. Let's explain to the listeners a little bit about CrossFit and what your your history is with it. Okay, uh, CrossFit. How can I describe it? It's basically a mixture of athletics, gymnastics, weightlifting, powerlifting, strongman, uh, uh, high intensity training. It's put it into a way to get your body to handle any kind of physical challenge you have. So it's going to make you faster. It's going to make you stronger. It's going to make you more agile. Uh, It's a unique challenge in that you want to get you basically want to get fit enough to run a marathon, get strong enough to be snatching 100 kilos plus, be agile enough to be doing handstand walks. It's trying to make someone a multidisciplined athlete, like a generalist to be able to do all kinds of different sporting pursuits. I got into it after my last competition because I always had this feeling that my traps were too small. So I thought, I'm going to go and practice. (laughs) Because I used to watch... And I used to do so many shrugs and they would never grow. Um, <laughs> all kinds of variations of shrugs and rowing movements and things. I just couldn't get it to grow. One thing you didn't see enough of in bodybuilding gyms was people doing uh, power, I mean, Olympic lifting. Um, so I thought I'm going to devote my off season after my last comp, which was uh, NABA comp uh, years and years ago now. Um, to learning how to do power cleans because I thought Olympic lifters have massive traps. So I thought I'm going to practice power cleans. <laughs> so I started watching videos on YouTube and um, reading some books in the library to look at mechanics of how to move and do the power clean. So I started practicing in a gym um, and thought, yeah, this is fun. Like I'm going to like practice this more. So I, I started to entertain the idea of doing a little weightlifting program and still keep my strength up and size in bodybuilding. So I spent my whole off season, which was over like the course of the summer, training in my uh, garage. Um, I bought a barbell and some bumper plates just to practice. Um, As it happened, I ended up moving house next to where another CrossFit gym was, which had an Olympic lifting coach. So I thought, all right, I'm going to go and get some coaching now. I started doing it. I started like lifting respectable numbers for for a newbie um, and really started enjoying learning the snatch, learning the power clean and learning the squat clean and split jerk and everything. Uh, Being very robotic as a bodybuilder, it was really a challenge to learn to be a little bit more loose and learn to coordinate the whole body in these movements so that was so much fun i was really really enjoying that the gym was a crossfit gym so i would watch the other athletes doing wads and then one day they challenged me to do grace which is 30 clean and jerks for time i had I thought, how bad can this be? Like, I'm power cleaning over 100 kilos and things like that. How bad can 60 kilos be? 
it took me four minutes 50 something i think i couldn't see after i finished the workout like i I had never been that fatigued where I was like, I was almost like I was blind. I couldn't see what I was doing. I had to sit on the floor for ages. Um, that's when I, that's when I thought, yeah, I'm going to do this more. I was like, I want to beat that time now. And yeah, from then on, I, I haven't like, I haven't turned back. I've just been obsessed with CrossFit. Wow. I've, I've got my grace time down a lot better than that. Now. <laughs> it's like, what are yeah. you sitting at now? Uh, my last, what was my last time? A minute thirty wow. something. I forgot it. That's yeah. unreal. <laughs> Dropping over three minutes of yeah. time. That's, that's awesome, Joel. And it's a testament to your your work ethic and your training regime. You've been a huge support for me with my like CrossFit ambitions and and training regime and things like that. So I do thank you. But let's talk about your current goals for CrossFit. What's what's happening there? I've I'm officially a master now in terms of age. So that's thirty five plus. I initially, when I started, wanted to make regionals. Regionals are the top athletes in the country who qualify via what's called the Open. The Open is five workouts that are released by the CrossFit headquarters and everyone in the world who enters does the workout and you're judged and you submit your score online. Then they pick the top 30 or 40 athletes per region. The regions are divided up like Australia's in one region and America's divided up into a few regions. The top athletes go to their regionals. Then they compete and the top few then go to America to compete in the games, which is like the Olympics for CrossFit. It was my initial goal to make the regionals. I realized how competitive this sport was and how phenomenal some of these athletes are. So I think my, my top performance was about 230th at about 7,000 or so they entered, wow. which I was really happy with, but it was a long way off to get to being the top. And I I kept pushing myself uh, with the goal now to make it as a master. The master's qualifications are a little bit different. I think it's like the top 200 or so worldwide who qualify in the Open. The Open, the same sort of thing, the five workouts over five weeks. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's a top 200, then they do a second set of workouts online and submit their scores. It's all videoed, it's all judged properly. The top, I can't remember if it's 20 or so, go to America and compete. So my goal is to make that top 200 to at least give myself a chance. Awesome. Um, I'm discovering that masters doesn't mean there's any drop in performance. These guys are absolute freaks. So I've got a long, like I've got a lot of work to do, but it's it's my goal. Like awesome. And there's a 35 to 39, so I've still got a few more years to aim for that. If that fails, I can do the next age bracket up. But I like to do the 35 to 39 and make that qualifying round. Um, There's never been a vegan athlete to do it. I don't think there's ever been a vegan athlete. There might have been a vegan athlete in Europe that's made regionals. Yeah. Um, but never in, in Australia or the US that I know of. Um, wow. I'd like to just fly the flag for it and show it's possible. Because there's, there's a lot of bodybuilders, there's a lot of endurance athletes, but in terms of uh, CrossFit and this high-level performance across multi-disciplines, um, we have some great athletes like um, Braden from New Zealand, um, but no one yet who's made it to um, regional standard. 
So awesome. I'm hoping to try it. Like, yeah, it's my aim. Great. That's an awesome aspiration. <laughs> and for anyone that wants to follow Joel's journey over Instagram, he's quite active on that with all of his workouts and nutrition and things like that. I'll have that, his details in the show notes for you. Joel, talk about your training regime at the moment. How are you training? How many days per week? What's your, what's I, your like? I do six days at the gym. Um, five of them are like a mixture of like my Olympic lifting, strength program, conditioning. So it could vary from like short intervals or something long, like uh, an hour workout. Lately, I've done a couple of marathons on different bits of equipment just to test my event, just to test the mental capacity. Um, but generally the workouts will range from three or four minutes up to an hour in the course of a week. It tests different energy pathways and um, just makes your body uh, not get used to one type of endurance or not one type of time domain. It makes you like strong over a broad time domain. So that varies each day. Um, the fifth, the, the sixth day is more like active recovery. So I'll just go in and stretch and uh, maybe sit on the bike and just flush my legs out and just do foam rolling and self massage, um, which is very, very important. No matter what sport you do, I think self maintenance is very, very important just to help the body recover because we're not machines. And sooner or later, if you don't look after yourself, it'll break down. The seventh day, <clears throat> I usually try to stay out of the gym. However, I might just go in again and do some more foam rolling and stretching and use some bands to just do different banded movements to strengthen my shoulders and- Without um, the load. Yeah, without the load that that a heavy barbell will put on. Um, and also just to keep it a bit more interesting as well. I like it. That's fantastic. That's a great point there. Talk us through some of your strength and weaknesses in your game at the moment. Um, I guess my strength is my determination and my strength is my, my gymnastic skills are pretty good. Like I can muscle up, I can do handstand push-ups, and, uh, I, I don't stop. I guess my weakness at this point is probably my Olympic lifting, uh, because the level of Olympic lifting throughout CrossFit is just going up all the time. So I feel like my, my Olympic lifting needs some work. Um, but that's the beauty of the sport. Like it's, it, it kind of forces you when you're competitive to work on these things. Yeah. You can't get complacent. Um, so yeah, I'd say my strength at the moment is my determination to not stop in a workout when it hurts because at the end of the day, it, it's not an injury. It's not pain. It's just discomfort. And if you tell yourself that, and that it's going to be over in a few minutes and you can almost just like will yourself on and get through it. Um, and it's a choice to do it. Exactly. Um, yeah. And my weakness is my Olympic lifting, which ironically was the reason I got into CrossFit, but I feel like it's something I've got to like really, really focus on again. Awesome. I reckon another strength of yours would definitely be your mental strength and your ability to stay in the pain barrier or the uncomfortable barrier for a long period of time. Yeah. Uh, for anyone that doesn't know, Joel just completed two marathons, I believe. Yeah. One on the Concept 2 rower, so 42,195 195 kilometers on the... on the Meters, yeah. <laughs> 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 42,000 kilometers, I think I'd go around the world. <laughs> 42,000 
42,195 meters on the concept two rower. Talk us through that. What was what was it like mentally, physically on your body? Uh, well, I guess first of all, it was for charity. So I don't know if I'd be crazy enough to do it <laughs> for any other reason. Although maybe I am. It just shows but the character. It was. It was. It was for a good cause. So, I, I guess. It was more. It, it was physically uncomfortable towards the end, but it was definitely very much a case of just telling myself don't stop it's gonna every stroke is taking you closer to the end um no matter how uncomfortable it was sitting down no matter how uncomfortable it was on the upper back with having to pull the handle goodness knows how many times (laughs) (laughs) hundreds or thousands um for it's it's one of those events and I'm sure running would be exactly the same, where you have to break it down into small chunks and not think about the entire duration. So I guess for me, I had a little drink bottle with water and a little drink bottle with like a sports drink next to me. And I had the lids off before I started. So I I didn't let go of the handle once while I was going. So with my right hand, I would reach down every 15 minutes and have a sip of water or have a sip of my sports drink. And it was my mental break just to break up into 15 minute chunks. And I guess the bigger the bigger picture in that was I would look at every 10 kilometers. So every time I would tick below, say it went down to 39,9999, I'd be like, all right, now I've got 10 Ks to go, then 29,9999. And I'd be like, all right, another 10 Ks. And it just made it a little bit mentally easier. Yeah. I'm sure in like endurance runners would probably have something similar in mind at the way they break it down because if you look at it and think oh, i've just got to row 42 k's now it's it's almost demoralizing to think how much you've actually got to do um but that was my way of coping with it so joel do you have any tips for the listeners that are into crossfit or that are even struggling to get through a workout something to combat their mind saying no and how to push past it push past that mental mental barrier uh, I guess it, it, you kind of know what you're getting into when you start a workout that it's going to be uncomfortable um, I guess for me the way I tell myself is I'm choosing to do it um, and it's not It's like I said before it's not look it's painful in a sense but it's more discomfort it's not like it's not like you've broken a bone or you've cut yourself with a knife or anything like that it's just, it's uncomfortable. So it's a matter of, for me, telling myself that it's gonna be over shortly. I've chosen to do this and the quicker I get through the work, the quicker I can lay down on the floor and um, yeah, savor my, like what I've achieved. Um, but there's no nice way to, to really do it. Like if you're pushing yourself, it's gonna be uncomfortable. But it's an achievement to get through it. So, yeah, I, like a yeah, like I could, all, all I can say is, tell yourself it's not pain; it's just discomfort. So a lot of that mental self-talk. Would yeah, and, and yeah, there's no there's no nice way to do a what. It's always going to hurt if you're yeah. pushing yourself, and that's how you get results, and that's how you grow. You get out of your comfort zone, and, and then you grow. It's probably like everything in life. If you if you're out of your comfort zone, then your body's going to adapt, your mind's going to adapt, you're going to get stronger and you're going to develop. And it's the same with a workout. It's just a different kind of comfort zone. It's just 
physical discomfort. I love it. And that's a great point there, Joel. Let's go back to your macronutrient breakdown and, and your nutrition now as a CrossFitter. How did it differ from bodybuilding and what, what's your calories like now? I'm sitting at about 3,000... 3,200 to 3,500 calories. Um, my fats are a little bit high again, so I'm probably sitting at about 40% of my calories coming from fats. Um, uh, my carbohydrates are sitting, I forgot the percentages, but I'm on about 300, 280 to 300 gram of carbohydrates and protein is about 150, 160. So it's kind of a nice balance in that I can tie my nutrients and my macronutrients to when I need it. So before and after I train, my carbohydrates are really high. Then for the rest of the day, I just do uh, protein, fats, vegetables and keep my carbohydrates lower. So I get the carbohydrates exactly when I need it and then I keep them lower just to maintain body composition. Because awesome. um, I like, I want to look like I train hard and I guess the physical appearance is what people see first yeah. as opposed to what your physical performance is. So uh, as a vegan athlete, I want to look the part as well. So hence I'm manipulating my macronutrients in a way that I can get the absolute best in my performance, but still have the best um, uh, physical appearance too. That's great. And for anyone that doesn't know, Joel's under 10% body fat. What, what is it exactly? Uh, I got one of those uh, 12 point caliper test and I was 6%. 6% body fat and sits at around 300 grams of carbohydrates per day. So carbs are definitely not the en enemy there. You're making Definitely not. You source. need them. Like, and especially when you're pushing yourself and, and you want to perform at your best, I don't think you can do that when you cut your carbs out. It's just going to hinder your performance. That's a great point there, Joel. Let's talk more about your balance. Like how are you juggling, working, you're studying, you're training, and any tips for the listeners to combat that? Uh, honestly, it's a bit of a struggle at times. Um, all I would, all I could suggest is try to compartmentalize things and stay off your phone as much as you can. Like in terms of using social media and getting distracted by it. I think when it's a time to study, just study. When it's a time to work, just work. You don't want to leave out any time for enjoyment in your life. Um, but at the same time to be productive and to get things done and not get overwhelmed at times, try to compartmentalize things and make a time for your study and just focus on that and make a time for your training. Um, but still keep some fun in life. Like it's all about being happy. And if you feel like a robot, um, yeah, it's, it's not going to, it's not worth living then in a sense. Um, but yeah, to fit everything in, you just got to dedicate a certain amount of time in each day and try to hold yourself accountable for that. That's a great point, yeah. What are you studying at the moment? Uh, at the moment, I'm doing my personal training uh, certification. I'm doing my basic science subjects, uh, but I'm enrolled into osteopathy for next year at Victoria Uni. So I'm gonna be studying for the next four-ish years, full-time. Awesome. Um, I'm working in supplements at the moment um, and I'll probably continue that to some extent all the way through because it's what I know and it's what I enjoy. And I, and I think uh, I like recommending things to help people with the performance supplement-wise, like natural stuff. And 
I'm going to focus on personal training more and coaching more because I'm a CrossFit coach as well. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of things on the go, but they're all things that I'm really passionate about. So um, doing things that you enjoy, there's less likely to feel like it's a grind and just having to get through the day. It's things you look forward to. Like you look forward to the next thing that's coming up in a day. That's a great point. Awesome job. Um, amongst all of that, all of your busy schedule, I understand you do a little bit of animal activism. What is this? Um, there's, I guess there's various forms of activism that people do and this day and age is really, really uh, quite diverse. What I've been doing for the last five-ish years, um, and even, even when I was younger, I used to go out on my push bike and explore out the back of abattoirs and I just had this fascination with what was going on inside. Um, so probably for the last five or six years, I've been going almost weekly to uh, either the pig abattoir or the sheep and cow and goat fun. Um, they're both in the western suburbs and I would just sit either on my push bike or in my car and wait for a truck to arrive and then give water or give food. I'll sometimes have bananas or something or um, a little bit of other fruit and give to the pigs um, and take photos and just spend a few seconds and it's literally sometimes only 30 or 40 seconds with each truck. Um, and I'll do this for half an hour to an hour a week. Um, uh, it's just showing them that there's someone out there that cares. And I know a lot of people care. Um, it's just my way of showing that I care. And a lot, a lot of people would think you're crazy for going and confronting yourself. I've had so situation. many people either questioning me in person or driving past and abusing me. Um, I've had the workers and the um, site manager come out and talk to me and tell me I'm crazy. And um, I guess I try to be peaceful about it. Yeah. And in the end, I've made... I wouldn't say friends with some of those people, but I've made the acquaintances with them and we chat civilly and uh, maybe not see eye to eye, but we can see each other's point of view on those aspects. And yeah, some, some of those people just do their jobs because they don't have any other way of supporting their family and they just take that. So I don't agree with what they do and I don't agree with like the way they... Um, uh, kill these animals and things, but I'm kind of empathetic in the sense to what their their point of view is too. But um, yeah, it's it's a little bit left of center in terms of activism. Um, Still doing being a voice for yeah, it's it's my way of being a voice for them. Yeah, awesome. How do you cope with their emotions and the atmosphere in that present moment? What what's it like to uh, I find it honestly more difficult when I go to the group vigils. Over the last couple of years, there's been groups that will organize vigils and go maybe 30 or 40 people and spend uh, up to five minutes with a truck. The truck's organized to stop. Um, there's police presence to monitor things. I find it harder to see the other humans break down afterwards. Um, maybe I'm conditioned enough now, having seen hundreds of trucks, to see the forlorn look in these animal's eyes but then to see someone hysterically crying it's it gets to me a lot yeah uh, but I don't think it's something I I'll ever get fully used to maybe I don't want to get used to it yeah. it's it's 
the emotion of it all that's kind of keeps me going in a sense and can you paint the picture of what it's like to be standing there as a truck's coming in what what are the emotions uh like? when i uh, i always park in the same spot and i have for the last five years um near the back gate and i would look in my review mirror and i it's a it's a bit of a a rush when you see the truck about to turn the corner or in the review mirror coming from down the road and i know then it's like i've got to get out like so it's 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 like a, a adrenaline rush in a sense yeah um then the truck's there and it's the first thing you notice is the smell it's a the smell almost arrives before the truck does it's very ammonia uh it's it's almost a human sort of smell with the pigs it's very very hard to explain um but it's it's something you can't it, it takes a while to wash off your hands after you've patted a few of the pigs the smell just lingers on your hands no matter how many times i wash it um some of them are very quiet some of them are very noisy and distressed and that in com combination with them rattling on the chains to try to get out and the noise of the engine of the truck it's quite a surreal experience and sometimes they'll come towards me sometimes they'll all move back away from me if they're really timid sometimes they're all covered in cuts some of them are just covered in mud sometimes they'll urinate out the side of the truck just because they're so cramped and they've got nowhere to move yeah um it's confronting That's very right. confronting yeah that sounds horrific um joel it just it goes to show the true test of character that you are going to go into these things solo just to be a a presence for um the animals that don't even know you personally so good on you mate my, i take my hat off oh, to you thank you um you're an inspiration to many and on that note who is your inspiration and what inspires you mm, my mum inspires me a lot um uh my grandfather and grandmother inspire me a lot i guess they came they escaped the war um uh they came here as like as like basically still children um my mom inspires me in that she just pushes through no matter what um even through illness she would still make time for everyone and um, maybe that's where i've got it from in myself um so i find her an inspiration i find everyone i train with at my gym inspiring in some way um I can take stuff from a lot of people. I don't have a particular athlete that I aspire to be like. I did when I was a bodybuilder, but it was more from an aesthetic side of things as yeah. opposed to uh, anything deeper than that. Like I used to love Mike Mensah and maybe his training philosophy inspired me for a time, but it's more just his look. But in this now, it's more I get inspired by watching other activists. I get inspired by young people trying to like, like being entrepreneurs I get inspired by people that are trying to learn their first muscle up or their first toe to bar. It's, I take something from everyone and it just fuels me even more. But I guess if I have to say my real inspiration, it's probably, yeah, like my mum and my grandparents just because of enduring hardships. Um, and I guess I don't want to be someone that endures hardships. I want to be enjoying life and just being more free from that 
So I take inspiration from that and want to go and okay. take it further and be, yeah. It's a true test of character yeah. to you, Joel. Um, how do you stay so positive through some negative times? What are some tips for the listeners to combat negative times? Um, I guess appreciate that the down times are going to be there, but then there's always going to be a good time. You, if you if you focus on the negative, then it's going to just make you feel bad. But there's if you focus on the positive, there's there's usually a reason for the negative, and it's often a positive reason. So um, I think just try to savor the good moments and not think about the bad ones. And yeah, like I I see sad things when I see the pigs, but then I have great people in my life, and I have things that are like nurturing me and helping me, making me happy. So I focus on those and try to just make more of those things in my life. That's, that's my way, I guess. And yeah, um, I really don't have anything that I can complain about having seen that there's so many people that have got physical ailments or emotional ailments or just going through really tough times. And I'm just going to be grateful for what I've got. And that's what keeps me positive I guess amazing and that's some great advice um, thanks for sharing that Joel what's the main message you're trying to spread to everyone but all of the actions you're doing whether it's your training your activism what's the main message uh, that you don't have to harm another being to be a great athlete to be a good person to just thrive wow. that, that was always my that was always my goal I guess just to like show that you yeah uh, I always felt like I was no better than an animal or another human. So why would I want to cause pain to another animal or human? As, as much as I could avoid it, I've been trying to do that and just try to live my life to the fullest, I guess, and, and not harm anyone else. It definitely shows with the type of person you are and any, anybody Thank that you. knows you, Joel, has <laughs> nothing but glowing words to say about you, mate. Let's get down to it. Talk us through some of your favorite vegan places to eat. Yeah. Uh, I guess the first one would be Particle because I'm like <laughs> part of the furniture. Yeah, Particle Cafe. I love Olivia Spring in Mini Pines. I'm probably going to go to this afternoon and get like <laughs> a bun mee from there. I love the, the Vietnamese um, baguette. Uh, I like Yong Green food. Um, yeah, veggie bar. Um, Shop 225. I'm very much like, I'll go to the same places. I like very good falafel. Um, I'm a creature of habit in my takeout places. Yeah, so I'll, I'll find sure. a few and just like hammer them. <laughs> <laughs> and then when I get sick of the food, then the, by then they've changed their menu. So yeah. <laughs> it's a win, win, win. I <laughs> lose. For anyone that doesn't know, Joel has a um, reserve spot at Shop 225 <laughs> every Monday in the same spot, orders the same thing. <laughs> so he's a, he's a <laughs> creature of habit, that's Now, I've sure. got to the point now where they choose my dish for the <laughs> <or not. laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> oh, I love that. Joel, where can we find you to follow your journey? Instagram, Facebook? Uh, Instagram, I've got a page on Instagram, which I post on every day, like... Um, Usually on my stories, I'll post some sort of training clip or uh, maybe activism or just something of me being silly, just try to keep it lighthearted. Uh, I have a Facebook page under my name and I've started an athlete page on 
Facebook and I will be starting a YouTube channel where I'm going to put more comprehensive training videos and meal prep and supplements and stuff. Uh, but for now, my main platform is Instagram. Awesome. And I'll have that in the show notes for anyone that wants to follow. Joel, thank you so much for your time, mate. This was awesome. Really it's my absolute it. pleasure. You, Yeah, I've had so much fun and you're great to chat to. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Thanks, guys. Have a good one.